welcome to the hey. second. That's my new line. Hey. Hi, welcome to the second uh, of our Think Tank podcast for the academic year or the political season. Um, we're back home. We apologised last week for the atrocious sound quality. We've had some terrible reviews. And when I say terrible reviews, I mean Emily from Art was very happy. She said it sounded like we were recording in a cave. Little did I know that we were recording in a case. This is what you get. Yeah, that's, the sound that's why it sounded like it. Yeah. You're doing shout outs. You're becoming a proper radio DJ, aren't you? Yeah. With your hey and your shout outs to people. Uh, I don't want any accidental partridges in there. Yeah. I don't want to say it. I don't want to go yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, let's talk about today. We are going to review the Conservative Party conference that ended like a week ago. Yeah, or, or something. Weeks, doesn't really matter. Sometime. Okay. We're going to review yeah. the Brett Kavanaugh vote in the US for the Supreme Court. We're going to look at a UK Supreme Court case. And then we're going to have a Brexit special where we're going to look at each of the deals, the potential deals or no deals. Yeah. Which is a big deal. Oh, which is a big deal. Uh, and see if we can explain them. That's good. So we've got the Conservative Party conference first. Mr Thorne, you were watching that harder than anyone else. Well, as I always do. Um, so <laughs> it was in Birmingham this that year. Conti- continuing their um Continuing their tradition, which is a recent tradition, of not going to the seaside, but in fact having their conferences in major urban centres represented by MPs who don't like them in areas that don't like them. Because they've had it in Manchester for a couple of years, which always has led to a reasonable number of protests. And now they're having it, having it in Birmingham, which is also likely to lead to a reasonable number of protests. And so, basically, the, the g- leading into the Conservative Party conference, the, the big story is, was really, is Boris going to make a kind of coded or uncoded... Att- in fact, can we just stop calling him Boris, actually? Is Boris Johnson going to attempt to make a coded or uncoded attempt on the leadership um, to, to sort of stake his claim? But I suppose the notable thing about it wasn't that Boris did a speech that sounded like he was attempting to be leader, because he sort of did, but that everyone made a speech like they sort of wanted to be leader. Lots of people, um, so Jeremy Hunt, Esther McVeigh, Penny Mordaunt, Boris Johnson obviously included, and Sajid Javid and others all made speeches that included things like their life story, their backstory. Dominic Raab, who, the, the constantly self-serving Dominic Raab, Gavin Williamson, I think, thinks he's already Prime Minister, um, did the same sort of thing. And I think lots of them are sort of trying to stake out their claim. Because the one thing we know is that, number one, Theresa May is not overwhelmingly popular with her own MPs. Number two, the Conservatives are not likely to, at the moment to do astonishingly well in a general election, if it were to come up now. Number three, even if Theresa May leads them into the next general election, which I don't think is likely, she won't be Prime Minister for long after that general election. So there will be another Conservative leader at some point, and Theresa May is not a kind of indefinite leader. So I think everyone was sort of trying to stake their claims. But even so, she came out of it reasonably well, didn't she? She, And and that's the surprising thing. So in her speech, she um, firstly avoided... Many of the errors that I was going to use a rude word for that. Many of the errors that she made last year. Um, so she came out. out she came out, par- came out. She came out parodying her own dancing ability. Yeah. Which is which. I'm going to be clear. I mean, it, it wasn't good, but at least it was self-aware, wasn't it? I like. I liked it. I like self. I like that she was she, having a joke with herself. Yeah. It, the worst thing is when someone's not self-aware of those things. So it's um, the best thing she's done as prime minister. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, that is a greatest achievements. Yeah, well done. Uh, so she's she's done that. Uh, but the, the interesting thing as well was that she spent quite a lot of time sort of slapping down the kind of Brexit rebels from the right. 
um, who you know. So she she re- she made a comment specifically saying that um, people don't have fifty years for the economy to improve, which was uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg said that the economy might might get good in fifty years time. So she was sort of saying we don't have that long. Um, Boris famously in a, in a non-televised speech said when people were saying this is going to be really bad for business Boris famously said F star star K business um, and Theresa said I, I believe in doing something that ends with a K a four letter word bringing a K to business that's right back business and we all chortled merrily she was on uh, fire and, she ne- and the other thing she did which will become we'll talk about what, what Chequers actually is later but she, she never mentioned the Chequers deal by name she was because she's been since since she made it talks about it a lot because she's very proud of the, the sort of quote unquote compromise she got right out of it. Um, the, 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 there's one funny thing that also happened at the Conservative Party conference, which is that um, the Conservatives accidentally published every single MP and journalist's phone details and email addresses mm-hmm. using the app that they created for the Conservative Party conference, which was in turn designed to try and win over youth, win over the young people with a trendy app about the Conservative Party conference. And hey, it's, cool it's, it's funny in itself, because young people love apps, don't they? They absolutely love them. But the, the thing that they, they, they then did was <laughs> to, to propose repeatedly a technological solution to the Irish border problem. So they're, they're, they're saying, sorry, I've just bashing this box that is sat in front of me <laughs> so they um, yeah they keep on saying that they want a technological solution to the Irish border problem and then they can't create a technological solution to getting each other's contact details at the Conservative Party conference so if it can't deal with 3,000 people's contact details how are they going to deal with billions of pounds of cross-border trade I think that's the kind of point. That she did make a bit of a pitch for the uh, Labour vote as well, didn't she, by saying that it's the end of austerity. Mm. Uh, that after what eight, eight years of austerity after the financial crash and, and Conservative governments, are gonna, that, that'll be over. And then she followed it up with an article in the Observer, didn't she, the Sunday after, yeah. um, making a direct pitch for for disgruntled Labour voters. Can I just say that it's mad though? It, it, it is. It is a mad pitch. It's it's not it's not credible in any way. Firstly, because the Observer is read by about 400,000 people max, right? And the people who read the Observer are not the swing voters that might vote Conservative. If you wanted to make a pitch for the, the for the Conservative Party, for Labour Party voters who might vote Conservative, there will be more Labour voters reading the Mail on Sunday than there will be Labour voters who read the Observer in general. Yeah, and those yeah. voters are far more likely to switch. It's not just a direct picture. So it's not yeah. just literally the people that read the newspaper. It's the tone that's then set. Yes. Their, I, their, their tactic now is to I understand that, but I don't think those kind of, that kind of social liberal Observer set is, is, a, is a kind of demographic that Theresa May has much of a hope of, of getting, given the recent track record of those voters and their level of hostility the, to the, the Conservatives. The latest Observer poll, the post-party conference poll, um, sees the Conservatives at 41%, which is pretty much where they were in the general election, uh, and Labour falling two points at 37 So <coughs> not much movement, but actually probably a slightly better party conference season for the Conservatives. I think it's. I think. Ooh. I think the poll numbers are meaningless. I think they are. I think they are literally meaningless. If it, unless there is a greater than six percent lead, I think they are meaningless. I think we're also judging this to be a successful conference because the last one was an utter disaster. 
So she, di- she didn't dribble. The bar has been set very, very low. Yeah. The, the signs that said working or building a better Britain, working for better Britain, wasn't falling down. That's why they chose well, a one-word slogan for this year. <laughs> Less chance of things falling down. That clown wasn't trying to give her a P45 and all that sort of nonsense. All right, so there we go. That was the highlights of the Conservative Party conference. So, Mike, over in the US of A, there's a new justice on the Supreme Court. There is. So, a very, very quick recap. Donald Trump nominated Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh, we're going with Kavanaugh, aren't we? To serve on the Supreme Court. Kavanaugh. Uh, the Senate then has to confirm the nomination. There are 51 Republicans in the Senate and there are 49 Democrats. We've obviously had the hearings taking place. Three women publicly accused him of sexual misconduct. Um, Dr. Christine Ford being the most high profile. She gave testimony to the Senate uh, Judiciary Committee. Uh, they still went ahead and. Uh, with the vote in the Senate as a result of that, and on the 6th of October, by a vote of 50 to 48, Kavanaugh was uh, appointed to the Supreme Court. Now, when you look at the votes, there are obviously 100 people in the Senate, two from every state. There were two non-voters, and one person crossed the floor. One of the no-voters was the uh, Senator Steve Daines. Now, he wasn't there because he was back in his home state, uh, in Montana for his daughter's wedding, so he couldn't cast his vote. The Alaskan Senator Lisa Mikowski was the only Republican who opposed Kavanaugh, but she didn't vote no, she just marked herself as present. In other words, she abstained, that yeah. was a no vote. Had she voted no, it would have swung it 49-49, and she didn't want to be... She, yeah. she made it clear afterwards that her... Had she voted no, it would have been 50-49, because yeah, Manchin so. only then... We'll come on to Manchin in a minute. Yeah. Manchin only switched to the Republicans and voted yes because he knew that uh, Kavanaugh was likely to win. So the two, kind of the three key votes in this were Mikowski, who was against it and expressly said, I do not want him to win the Supreme Court, but because that would have meant Steve Daines would come back from his daughter's wedding, so even the votes up, she said, actually, I'm not going to do that. We don't want to put, you know, this... Steve Daines said, I'm walking my daughter down the aisle. That's what's happening. I'm not coming to vote for this. Uh, essentially, it's been a vote on party lines. So you're saying if Susan Collins from Maine had voted no, yeah, making it 49-49, Manchin would have probably voted no as well, making it 50-48. That's what he was. That's what he was indicating. That's what he was indicating. Joe Manchin's West Virginia. Uh, yeah, that's a very much a Trump state, and he's a Democrat. Yeah. But, but because I thought that was the reason yeah, he hadn't I, voted that I, way, yeah, rather think, than having a last-minute so. decision. But well, I don't th- know. This is what he was then saying. He was kind of there was indicating, and they mentioned this on Pod Save oh. America podcast as well, which I okay. may have shamelessly stolen this from. And, uh, yeah. On the um, on the voting front, the best comparison is as follows. So it's 2018, we keep saying it's hyper-partisan. Um, and the vote that you've just outlined was hyper-partisan. All Democrats, bar one, voting against. All Republicans, bar one, voting for. If you uh, zoom back 25 years to uh, August 1993, Ginsburg. and Ruth Bader Ginsburg is about to be voted on to the Supreme Court, a Liberal justice, I think the most Liberal justice, mm. possibly. Uh, anyway, the Senate vote that year was 96 to 3. So mm. she was uh, confirmed with just three votes against. And that demonstrates in just 25 years the complete upending yeah. of what bipartisanship means, what partisanship means, um, because even a Liberal justice back then, the Senators overwhelmingly backed the President's nomination in a bipartisan manner after some um, Supreme Court hearings. Obviously, in this case, the hearings were completely different. They were hugely political, um, and it's on partisan 
it's, it's probably the, one of the most political appointments that we've seen in, in recent years, possibly ever, you could argue. If you look at the, the trend of votes from 2000 onwards, the first appointment after Bush versus Gore decision in 2005, when Roberts was appointed to the court, since then you started to see those votes and party lines mm-hmm. become narrower and narrower. The exception to, the, to that was Clarence Thomas. He only just snuck in, but he also faced um, yeah. <coughs> allegations and um, rumours of... Well, there was an allegation that there was someone that um, testified against him of sexual misconduct. But again, that was a bit of an exception. It's tended to be big. Even, I think, Scalia, he got... you know, mm. Look at kind of most conservative, most liberal in recent years. They have gone through with big, big majorities. It's that since the 2000, the Bush versus Gore decision, the increase in the politicisation of the Supreme Court, not forgetting that because Congress finds it so difficult to get anything done, it's regularly referred to as a broken branch of uh, government and politics there, it means the Supreme Court is even more important at actually making decisions, and therefore it's more important to get your judges on the Supreme Court. So we've gone from having a 5-4 split with that fifth you know, that ninth vote, the uh, Kennedy being the swing voter, he's now gone. So you have an entrenched conservative Supreme Court. And the question mark is, will Roberts now become more of a swing voter or will he stay with his conservative? Well, he'll, he will be the swing, I suppose, won't he? But he'll be conservative. Yeah, he'd be, he's, he's more conservative than swing. Kennedy was. Uh, I mean, I suppose one thing that we do, that when we talk about these as being tight, I think sometimes we, what we don't quite go into is the, the balance of the court. So one thing that I think heightened the, conser- the conservative, well, the Republicans opposing um, Merrick Garland under the last year of Barack Obama was the fact that that would have made the court more liberal because he was replacing Scalia. Scalia, who was very conservative, and Merrick Garland would have been at best somewhat liberal or centrist or whatever. Um, if we go back to Clarence Thomas, he was replacing Thurgood Marshall, who was very liberal. And that in itself was therefore contentious because it was shifting the balance of the Supreme Court. And this one will shift the balance of the Supreme Court in a more conservative direction, which probably is, it gives a good indication as to why the Conservatives uh, or the Republicans mm-hmm. were so so against it, because it, it has, or so in favour of it, sorry, the Democrats were so against it, because th- that has now shifted the balance yeah. of the Supreme Court. So the... the um, no, but is there, there's also another Supreme Court justice who's likely to retire under Trump, which it's will be possible, yeah. will shift that balance even further. Mm. But you might are Breyer and Ginsburg going to retire? Oh God, no, no, no! With they Trump won't retire, retire they won't retire. They'll give Trump the opportunity to pick a replacement. You could end up having a seven-two. So uh, Clarence <laughs> so, Thomas, yeah. Clarence Thomas is the oldest of the Conservatives at seventy. Um, so we've got, to, to be super, super clear, you've got Justice John Roberts, the Chief Justice, who's a Conservative. You've got Clarence Thomas, who's a Conservative. Um, Samuel Alito is a Conservative. Neil Gorsuch is a Conservative. And now Brett Kavanaugh. And then four Liberals, Eleanor Kagan, Sonia Sotomayor, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Stephen Breyer. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is 85 and is the oldest, but um, she will not retire under Trump because that would then allow Trump to replace her which um, she would not want him to do. She's going to hang on. The notorious. Clarence, yeah, Clarence Thomas is 70. Breyer's 80, isn't he? Breyer is 80, yeah, but he's a liberal, isn't he? So he wouldn't um, yeah. quit under Trump uh, if he can avoid it. Okay. So, yeah, new makeup of the Supreme Court. So he was sworn in. Uh, Donald Trump claimed in the swearing-in that he'd been proven innocent of the charges against him, which is an extraordinary claim because there wasn't a court case. 
But he also said yesterday, none of this matters because we won. We said on a rally, yeah. which is what. Yeah. And what the, he said there was. A, he did a speech where he mocked um, Dr. Ford. Uh, in one, in a sort of because Trump's basically still campaigning, which is quite interesting. He's still holding oh, rallies yes. and stuff. So he was he did a speech where he mocked, um, sort of doing his kind of thing where he's sort of going, oh, I think this, oh, this is, a, you know, he does the kind of fake impressions of people. And then someone's asked him about that. There was a, he's done an interview on sixty minutes, and he said, well, I needed to do that because if I hadn't mocked her, then we wouldn't have won. Mm-hmm. Oh, Charming. If you yeah. if you take the if you take the allegations against Brett Kavanaugh out of this, it's probably important to note that he was, the, take Trump out of it as well, he was the Conservatives' choice because George W. Bush, um, who I think Brett Kavanaugh worked as an aide or a counsel under George Bush, he, he was the one actually phoning members of the Senate up to persuade them to vote for him, which is really weird because we often talk about the President as, as a persuader-in-chief, that Presidents aren't very powerful other than the power to persuade. And it's really interesting that Trump wasn't the one doing the persuading. It was the former President Bush who was calling members of the Senate to convince them to say, look, Kavanaugh's a stand-up guy. He's solidly conservative. You should vote for him. Which is, again, interesting because George W. Bush has portrayed himself as being somewhat anti-Trump. Mm. Um, yeah, exactly. That's that's helped Trump quite a lot. Obviously, the conservatives are willing to take the Trump issues out of it when they can get a conservative on the court, which goes back to 2016, and the conservatives who were willing to back Trump they didn't like Trump, but they knew they'd get Supreme Court choices under Trump, and they knew those choices would be solidly conservative, and then they went with Trump for it. And, that, and those people are winning, if you like, because they've got two conservatives on the court now, and Trump will be gone at some point too, and maybe the damage he'll have inflicted will, in their eyes, I hope, will be minimal. Because the legacy of the, those two justices is going to be potentially 30 years, maybe yeah. longer. Well, longer than, yeah, longer than 30 years. I mean, I don't, Brett Kavanaugh is 53. Um, if he went to 90 I don't know he does like beer quite a lot as he so, says, yeah. so it depends how yeah. much influence that's going to have maybe he'll have a new fitness regime in order to last longer on the court some Democrats are talking of impeaching him but I mean that's just wildly optimistic they haven't well, they, not going to have the numbers yeah. at all yeah. Uh, but yeah I don't think it's going to happen they might do make a token attempt to please people so there's the courts and we're on that's stick with the courts with the UK Supreme Court Mr. Ooh. Yep, we have to start this story back in 2014 uh, when the gay rights activist Gareth Lee wanted to buy a cake. He wanted a, a Sesame Street-themed cake with the slogan, oh. Support Gay Marriage. Uh, and the bakers refused. Asher's Bakers in Northern Ireland refused. Uh, they said it was uh, a matter of uh, religious conscience. They didn't want to print the slogan, uh, Support Gay Marriage. However, Mr. Lee took that to be as discrimination against uh, same-sex couples, discrimination against gay couples, uh, so took the case to court. And in the two lower courts, uh, Gareth Lee won. He he won his claim that he had been discriminated against on grounds of his sexuality. However, last week uh, it reached the Supreme, uh, Supreme Court in Northern Ireland, Supreme Court, and they decided that because... They had objected to the message, not the purchaser of the cake. Then uh, they were free to do so. What they had discriminated, what they had, were not wanted to write was support gay marriage. That's part of their freedom of speech, freedom of expression. Uh, they would not have made the cake if a straight person had wanted to buy a support gay marriage cake. So it came down to freedom of expression in the message, freedom of religion. Right and not discrimination against the person wow. because no one they wouldn't have made that cake for anyone so if, I, if we'd have asked for that cake if we wanted cake, a support gay marriage cake they would have still said no so, so they're saying it's irrespective of the sexuality of the person purchasing 
it's the message on the cake. The message they and objected the, okay. to, then mm. uh, freedom of speech came into play that they they're free to to, to not say that. There was. Uh, a, I think the, that I, I didn't know it was a Sesame Street cake. Yeah. Does that it. change it? If you refuse, if yeah. you refuse to make a Sesame Street cake, I think you're guilty. Well, yeah. the cake was going to cost thirty six quid. Uh, the cake has now cost five hundred thousand uh, at thirty six quid. Um, in, in, in the legal fees a Christian institute was backing the Ashes they gave them £200,000 <coughs> to spend on their legal case uh, whereas public money funded the, the, the defence of Mr Lee uh, right. so that's one expensive cake this happened in America didn't it, it did. <coughs> there was a similar court case in Colorado in June of this year uh, this was the uh, Masterpiece Cake Shop versus the Colorado Civil Rights Commission uh, and the, essentially the same ruling they said, they said that the baker didn't have to make is the cake one of the right. issues here that it sounds bad because I like most cake. people cake. are well I like cake but also how much would you pay for a, a, a burnt only cake about 500 grand right? yeah. <laughs> but like the, um, the it's a it's a message that to to us is not unpalatable so for, for me to make, for there to be a pro gay rights message on a cake is completely inconsequential and I'm totally fine with it. It's like, cool, great. I'm very much in favour of gay marriage and stuff. But if we were running a business and someone came in and wanted a message like that that was, say, racist or or homophobic or something else, and we then refused to do it, if if we then refused to portray a message that was that through another business, is is that therefore not the same principle? Yeah. Uh, so th- this that's Peter Tatchell was on Channel Four News, and at the risk he of saying he was really supportive saying, of a, the ruling. Yeah, of, at the risk of saying a gay person is against this, so it's fine, which is not what I'm saying. He's you know he's obviously been campaigning for, for gay rights for for decades, and was saying, look, hang on, actually, if we are in the position of forcing someone to have to portray a particular political message, actually, that we're not promoting freedom of speech, we're hindering it. So th- this is one of those ones where I'm totally in favour of the message of the of the, of the cake, which is an odd, odd <laughs> sentence that I never thought I'd say, but it, it, the, I think the, the the actual court case is somewhat more nuanced than that. Yeah, but, but there, there's this question about the cake or the person, aren't they still discriminating against the person who wants to purchase the cake? And it's, it's because that it's in support of gay marriage. But if I wanted that cake, I couldn't have it either. So it's, it's sure not against that. the person. Yeah. Well, that was, no, that's, so that's it's, that's if I was okay, because I, yeah. I, I, I am, I, you know, I am, I am, I am not a gay man, and if I went into that shop and ordered that cake, that would not be allowed. You, so okay. you can't. So that, force, so that's the same principle. You can't force someone. Can't to force someone I don't know to, if to it's worth it, but it's perhaps worth noting yeah. that gay marriage isn't legal in, in yeah. Northern Ireland. Yeah. So okay, and that's bad, and I and I think it should be, but but there's freedom for businesses to serve who to. Is there freedom for businesses to serve who they want? Because they're, they're not not the serving who they, they want. They didn't. They they, they were well, happy yeah, to sell him any other case. No, they were refusing to portray a particular message. Mm-hmm. If you, people get refused, they would have, they would have sold them places, a plain cake. Um, yeah. Okay, but a lot a lot of the a lot of the um, uh, southern states in the US um, supported segregation on the basis that it's up to businesses to decide who they serve and how and, and in what way. It's yeah, to the businesses to do that, okay, and you can't force. But them they're not saying no. Again, you're you're saying it's the person. Those yeah, businesses in the I south am. of the United States are saying that they will not serve a person, but this person is saying he will not portray a message. So they will serve the person. They can have a cake with Bert and Ernie on it, but they can't have a cake with Bert and Ernie on it that says 
support gay marriage or support Sinn Féin or, you know, vote Hillary Clinton. They can't have those messages on the cake because the people don't want to portray those messages. Well, That's the point. It was a unanimous judgment. So the, uh, of all 13? Well, no, there's only five of them in it. Oh, uh, what? But it does, it does overturn the two earlier, earlier rulings. Do you like so cakes too much? It was... Because originally, the Colorado Supreme Court, in the US case, the Colorado Supreme Court ruled against the Bakers. And it was the US Supreme Court that overruled them. So is it because this issue is, is, is so confusing that none of us understand? It was 7 2 as well in the, in the Supreme mm. Court. Um, okay. with yeah. sen- it's the same ruling, wasn't it? The same ruling, yeah. the same premise. Yeah. Good different com- good, good comparison. Different country. Brilliant comparison for judiciary and rights. And oh. are we going to open a Bakers? No, because we can't work out who we're allowed oh, to yeah, serve well, or not. Well, we don't know what you can serve. What would you call it? Maricax and the Bakers? No. <laughs> <laughs> His, his, his hypothetical child is not yet o- old enough <laughs> to own a, own a bakery. It would, be a, it would be a two-lane bakery. I've talked about this before. Yeah, this yeah. One lane would be for controversial political message cakes, <laughs> and the other lane would be bog-standard ice buns and stuff. But if you wanted the controversial... Do you do vanilla slices? You'd have a generic rainbow pre- cake is fine. Yeah. Previously controversial cakes you've made, you'd have to display that, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. What the museum yeah. of controversial cakes. Yeah. Hey, can uh, I just say, can I just this is a good idea? Um, right, guys, I've got a question. Right. Has anyone uh, got any ideas about all the different Brexit <laughs> options? Okay. Um, uh, yes, okay, so let's have a chat about the Brexit options. We have on the table, uh, well, in fact, literally, literally on the table, we've got four Brexit options that we're going to talk about. Uh, leaving without a deal, leaving with the Chequers deal, a Canada-style deal. Plus, plus, plus. And having another referendum. Oh. Um, so oh. leaving with no deal, um, this is increasing in likelihood as each day goes forward. So last night, your man Dominic Raab, the Brexit minister, went off to Brussels for an apparently debate thing that no one knew about. And there was going to be a deal suddenly. And then no, there wasn't a deal. He came home because there's a Northern Ireland issue, which we'll talk about. Um, so we're leaving in March. Um, there is a chance that we do not have a deal in place in March to leave. And we, as people are saying, we're to crash out of the... EU. Yeah, okay. which let's just remind us that that is a problem because they are our biggest trading block by far. Uh, 54% of our imports come from the EU, 42% of exports go to the EU, so we do more trade with the EU than any other place. Okay, so we do, so, so it's kind of so important. It, yeah, and, and, and to be fair, no one really wants a no deal. No one's really planning it. The only other thing I found is sort of, do, um, what's he called? Dick Jacob Reese Mogg. He's sort of happy with it. He's happy with no deal. He thinks that's better. Because we're going to trade under WTO rules. Um, So I've got a couple of things there about some of the consequences. So apparently on trade, we would then revert to World Trade Organization rules on trade. Uh, No longer bound by EU rules, but we would have to face, therefore, their tariffs. So the price of goods in the shops uh, might go up. Um, We would then be immediately free to set our own controls on immigration. Um, however, it could make for problems at the border if passport and custom checks are highlighted. Possible problems as well with expats out in the EU, British people who live in Spain or whatever. Um, all the EU's laws would be immediately transferred to the UK and then the government would plod their way through them to get rid of them. We wouldn't have to give the EU any more money. It's annual £13 billion contribution. But we would immediately lose out on the subsidies that we get. So the farmers get £3 billion uh, a year. Uh, and crucially, the issue of the Irish border will not be resolved. Um, if, if, the, if there is no deal, we don't know what would happen at the Irish border. Um, Prospect magazine had uh, a list of 36 things that would happen. Uh, they think that planes would stop flying. 
because the aviation agreements mid-flight, mid-flight or, yeah, or pre-flight, just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, because the aviation agreements won't be there. Um, we import, they say, about half our food, and seventy percent of that comes to the EU. And food would start to rot. Obviously, Prospect Magazine are pro Remain, by the way. Um, pet passports will end. So if you're taking your doggy no! to Poland in the summer. Um, well, I mean, just I mean, to be clear, I would like to get a dog just so I can take them to Poland. I would also like to get a dog just so I can have a passport. I didn't know you could right, have okay. passports for animals. It was, that was a, wasn't that Monster Rain Looney Pie policy? Well, <laughs> get rid of them. No, pop, pop, well, their leader, their leader for a time was a cat. So. Well, if he was, it sounds like they've been the government at some point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pet passports. Uh, medicines will have to be stockpiled. Uh, it's going to be very, very exciting. Um, <laughs> yes, exciting. Well, yeah. Um, and, and I guess the Northern Ireland thing, we would get a, a hard border between the mm. two countries, uh, which breaches the Good Friday Agreement. Now, it, at the moment, no one wants that no deal, but it's March the 29th that we're leaving, isn't it? That's quite soon, isn't so it? So that is quite like last minute, isn't it? Advent calendar. We should. To, to, well, to count down. And you start to st- well, stop no, piling no. food a day. You put things into the calendar. Yeah, you, you get a tin of beans on <laughs> the three days <laughs> before. On a serious yeah. note, forget the bakery. I'm copyrighting this that idea. Is an amazing idea. You know how great my business yeah. idea is. Actually, a really yeah. good idea. It's <laughs> why we're all millionaires, Miss Pinder. Nine <laughs> six survival calendar. Oh yeah. March. Beans would be a big hit. Neither party wants a no deal, as in EU or the UK. Mm. Um, but given the question that came up last night about Northern Ireland, I, I, I sort of don't, I'm not clever enough for am I, but I don't know how you're going to get a deal. Um, because at the moment, um, the EU and the sort of like a backstop agreement for Northern Ireland, which I, my understanding is, That's it means that there'll be no hard border between the North and the South because the Northern Ireland would effectively remain, no matter what, in a kind of a customs union with um, the EU. But that's a no deal for the DUP, isn't it? That's yeah. their, that's their yeah, red right. line, isn't um, it? And the EU are talking about a backstop to a backstop. In other words, Northern Ireland keeps that for a while, which is the backstop, and I think the backstop to the backstop is they keep it for a bit longer. Transition. Yeah, transition, transition goes on. Um, because the, the red line for the DUP is they cannot have the border in the sea, can they? Because that separates Northern Ireland from the UK which means that, as Sinn Féin actually said on the radio on Radio 4 th- th- this morning, we would now be closer to a united Ireland. But the, I, th- I think the big problem, unless Boris builds his bridge, of course, which is the thing, isn't the big By problem hand. here that there is no version of Brexit that has the sufficient numbers to get through Parliament? But, but then, yeah, but then there's no version of anything that has sufficient numbers to get through Parliament. That's, that's the so whole problem. Yeah. There is no deal. There is no deal which well, is going to work. What is the Chequers deal? Well, it depends which publication you read as to what the Chequers deal is. It's very confusing, but I think I've managed to get a, a simplified version of it. So back in July the 6th, it's worth pointing out what Chequers is. Chequers is the home that the Prime Minister gets. It's a kind of country estate, and they often invite dignitaries and uh, visitors. They might have uh, receptions for ambassadors and important people. Did you get one of those for being head of year nine? Sadly, no, but yeah. I have got a better office this year. Yeah, yeah so nice. it okay. feels like it's next to mine, of course. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, I need to get some improved soundproofing. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> sorry, where were we? So on, on July the 6th, she invited the cabinet to her country home to uh, reach an agreement on what the UK was looking for from the European Union. It includes the following a f- uh, the relationship will look like a f- with a free trade area for goods, a common rule book for all goods. 
focus on agriculture in particular, consistency between UK and EU court, a new customs agreement which would remove the need for custom checks and controls between the UK and the EU, uh, regulatory flexibility for UK services-based economy. It says here, some places say there's a physical border between Northern Ireland and Ireland and Chequers deal. Some places say actually there's not going to be a physical well, because, border. Because we don't know. None, none, of, none of the options are, are clear enough on Northern yeah. Ireland. The, the key thing with the Chequers deal is that it, broadly speaking, keeps us in a customer union with the, with the European Union, doesn't it? And that is why your hard Brexiteers, your Jacob rees your David, David Davises, Davis, your uh, Boris Johnsons, um, we, uh, two of them resigned from the cabinet, of course, and are uh, implacably opposed to the Chequers deal. Um, in fact, last night, um, David Davis was leading, seemed to be leading a round of people to try and stir up trouble in the cabinet, to try and oppose her, to try and bring her down again, um, because they're opposed to that, to effectively keeping the UK in a customs union, and they'd rather just crash out. Yeah, so all they've done is just change language. They've just used phrases like a common rule book and new customs agreement, which is another way of rebranding, we're going to stay in the customs union. So this would be, for want of a better word, a softer Brexit landing. This is like the Labour Party policy. We're not going to be in the customs union. We're going to be in a customs union. But it's also full of contradictions. So it says here, supremacy for UK courts. Yet at the same time, it says consistency between UK and EU. UK and EU courts. So this idea of taking back control yeah. is a little bit blurred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does say that it will be an end to free movement of people across yeah. borders, but all of that is irrelevant because there's still a sense of we're being tied to the EU. Even when it says there's an end to annual EU membership payment, we're still going to contribute to shared goals such as science and innovation. So it sounds a bit like bit of a fudge. And that's why so symbolic, metaphorical, figurative fudge. Which, and, and, and the fudge yeah. and the deal is gone, so we can't really... Yeah. Yeah. Well, it we're, we're at the point where people like Andrea Jenkins, the Tory MP, is tweeting things like, it's better to go down fighting and honouring the, the democratic decision of our British people than to be long remembered for waving a white flag and surrendering to EU demands. Oh, Brexiteers in government on backbenches, it's time to hashtag stand up for Brexit and finally hashtag Chuck Checkers. Oh, well, catchy. those are the hashtags that I can see taking off. In well, a, I think they have been. I think yeah. they may even be trending. Oh, <laughs> trending in the West, West Yorkshire area. Um, <laughs> so we've got Leave No Deal, Leave Checkers Deal. Some people want a Canada deal. Yeah, so it's worth saying what the Canada deal is. The Canada deal is a comprehensive economic and trade agreement in which about 95% of Canada's trade goes to the EU without tariffs. Okay, They only have tariffs on uh, a few things, including food and agriculture, and even then they're pretty low tariffs. Uh, so what we want is a, a similar arrangement where we can move goods in and out of the EU without paying for anything. They want a Canada plus, plus, plus deal. Uh, <laughs> the plus, plus, plus. So the They're just best. making it up as they go along. Well, Triple X. It, it, there's no guide to pronouncing it, so I'm going to presume it says plus, 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 is that while Canada doesn't pay uh, into the EU budget for this privilege, we might pay a little bit into the budget to get uh, some plus areas. And those plus areas will be... Plus area. No, three, in fact. Yeah. Plus, plus, plus. Uh, access to financial... Uh, access to aviation and to energy markets where, where the Canadians currently can't get in, uh, we're willing to pay a little bit into the budget to to get those in return. Do, do we know why we can't do a Canada deal? Uh, in my head, well, according to this, it would annoy Canada. 
Uh, you spent about 10 years negotiating Yeah, this. it took okay. seven years for Canada to get its deal, and they don't want us to have a better deal because it will annoy Canada. Which is the same argument for the Swiss, no? The Swiss have a pretty good relationship with the EU. But they've uh, never been in the EU. That's the difference. They've never been in the EU. Well, that's possibly why this this would be easy to get to, in that for us to have a Canada-style deal, we need to have EU standards uh, adhered to, which we already do, because we're in the EU. Um, but it but, would give us more freedom to not follow EU laws, not possibly contribute as much to the budget, uh, but just follow product standards. It's Northern Ireland again, though, isn't it? It's Northern Ireland again, because Northern Ireland... It's Northern uh, Ireland. wants to stay part of the customs union. And if we have a backstop that allows them to do that, um, mm. the DUP uh, won't agree with it. And also, why would the EU allow us to get a deal that means that we get to stay in the EU for all the benefits and not have any of the, the things that they view as also obligations? Yeah, so they're saying that the mm. UK might, to get this, they would also likely have to accept freedom of people. Uh, which is the big deal breaker Theresa May herself has said no deal is better than a Canada deal I'm not sure why I don't know. Oh, I don't right, know. Okay. This feels okay. like plagiarism. It feels like we've got the documentation. Can we just change the name and the date and we can just get it done? But make I've it re- better. Got this essay for you, Mr. Jones. Yeah, yeah. I've moved a few of the words around. A couple of the put, put some errors in so it looks like I've done it. Um, but I've just copied it off Kevin. Yeah, Kevin from Canada. Ca- Ca- Canadian <laughs> Kev, as we call him. Yeah. And Norwegian Nigel. I've exchanged Because that was another one, <laughs> wasn't it? The uh, Norwegian Kay. deal. So, leave no deal. Ooh, that's bad. Checkers. Oh, Canada. And what about having another referendum? We'll just do another vote. Well, that it's been obviously gaining quite a lot of momentum over the last few months. And it, it's gone from being a thing that people basically scoffed at and thought they, they weren't interested in at all. So I think that's being actually discussed at a reasonably high level. So quite a lot of Labour MPs... A lot of well, most of the Lib Dems. When I say a lot of Lib Dems, obviously there aren't that many Lib Dems. But like the a lot of the SNP are in favour. Some Conservatives have a Subri's in favour of it. So there are MPs who are in favour of having another referendum. But it's not the, a remain. It's not a go back well, and remain, is it? They've taken that option. It, that's because off. that's because it, no, no, no. It's because it's not a thing. So David Lammy is in favour of a one with the remain as being an option. But Jeremy Corbyn and John McDonnell have sort of suggested that if they had one, it would be between No Deal and whatever Brexit deal. It's negotiated. So this is this is the problem. Our so the, the thing is right now our parliament cannot pa- pass basically any version of Brexit that we've talked about because there isn't there there are not 326 people who are in favour of any of these versions of Brexit, which means that there are also not 326 people who want another referendum. There, there's no way on our current composition of parliament we can either get through any of these current deals or have another referendum passed by parliament. So before the, the question is, before we have the possibility of another referendum, is there going to be another election? Because well, our, uh, We were leaving in March. Yeah, so this is the big issue. We can't... So it, 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 this, this stuff is making no deal seem more and more likely because... I don't think there's a version of a Brexit deal that can get through Parliament, which would mean having another election, but that we, which would mean we'd even need to suspend the, 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 the period at which we leave or have another referendum. And the, and the thing that the, the Remainers want is to have another referendum between remaining, leaving with no deal or leaving with a deal. But I just think the possibility of getting it right now Looks unlikely. Okay, should we um, should we go around the table then and say what what do you think is the likeliest outcome next March? And we'll hope we can we'll hold ourselves to this speculation. Um, yes, 
So, yeah, random speculation. No deal. Because? They can't get a deal. Even though they get a deal with the EU, there's no deal which is going to get through Parliament. So okay. I don't think there'll be a deal. Will there be ramifications? Change of leader? Possibly. General election? Definitely no. Okay. Tories won't do that. I think we'll take any deal at this point. I agree with you. I think there'll be, I think there'll be a deal. I think it's, I, I it's think just because it's better than no deal. I think the Brexit says we'll push and 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 push. But if Theresa May gets a deal, don't forget the public don't really care anymore. They they want to leave, that's what we voted for, and they want a deal. If Theresa May can get a deal, the Brexit says they'll have to lump it, I think, and they'll just keep pushing for the version they want until there's a deal, and I reckon they'll accept it. My everything down, I don't know. It could actually help it. I think there's gonna be, it's going to be on the no deal to incredibly rubbish deal spectrum. Well, the spectrum. Yeah, so I think it will be a deal, but I still think we're looking at a, a, the Conservatives are staring on the barrel of something really bad here, because the Labour Party are not in a good position, but the Conservative Party, whatever the next general election is going to be, whenever it is, I, I mean, they're gonna, they'll make it 2022 now. It's going to be bad. Well, a, we can finish on this. There's a great bit. We've been encouraging people to read the Tim Shipman books, um, All Out War and Fallout. One of which is the house. There's a great, at the start of All Out War, basically, it, it's, David Cameron's going to go ahead with a referendum, and George Osborne is, is warning him against it because he basically says, you do not know what forces you will unleash if you hold this referendum. And David Cameron starts with, ah, oh, be fine, we'll have it, we'll win. Uh, and, and Osborne... Um, Proven to be right, as you have just pointed out. Mm, I think I think the Conservative Party could well split over this. Oh, brilliant! It's like the Cornwall all over again. We need elections. We've had an election for like a year. We need another one. Bye. Bye. <laughs>